Let's pray together. Dear Lord, you are holy. Even if we don't uh, understand that holiness or even if we just don't know that. Uh, and you have sent your son to, to save us from sin, from our sin. I pray as we look into your word this morning, we would hear and know more the power of prayer. And in knowing the power of prayer, we would know more about our connection and your love for us. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Thank you all. Have a seat. Uh, You can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 15. Before we get into the scripture, uh, just a quick little story. The Lord convicted me this weekend. I was up uh, in uh, the metropolis of New Albany. Uh, That's where I'm from. That's home uh, up north Mississippi. And uh, my mom's birthday, so I was up there. Anyway, my brother uh, happens to be a preacher too. Uh, So he's a preacher in a church between New Albany and Oxford, Highway 30 West. And he, uh, anyway, I was talking uh, to him. He's got a son named Mason. And my brother is also, uh, happens to be uh, divorced. So he gets Mason one weekend, and then his mom gets Mason the other. They have a good relationship. It's all working out. Yet Mason uh, told me, this is how the Lord convicted me, uh, that, he, that he loves going to uh, his dad's church, and he'll hear his dad preach. My, his dad, my brother, named Josh. And I was like, well, you like uh, your brother's preaching, Mason? He's like, no, just the other church. That guy screams way too much. So, uh, so it convicted me about, uh, I don't know if I scream. I, I actually thought about it. I don't want kids sitting in there and, like, you know, somebody saying, that guy, I actually like that preacher that Mason was talking about. But anyway... Um, <laughs> that says anything. So uh, we'll try, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll try to, I don't know, if I scream, scream joyfully. But anyway, we'll see. Now, uh, Ephesians 1, I want to get into this, that uh, all of us, all of us, uh, not everybody here, not just everybody here, but like every human being, we want to feel some connection to whether you call it higher power, uh, whether, you, whether you call it God, we want to get a connection. I mean, this is why people go to beautiful vistas, be it the ocean or mountains. We want to feel connected, and then also that we are not only connected, but have this sense of meaning and purpose uh, from that higher power or from God. We want to feel like there's meaning to our lives, that there's a purpose, that we're here for a reason. Everybody, across religions, uh, even someone who would call themselves uh, atheist, and I, I've honestly not met a true atheist because they always believe in some type of higher power, and they all want meaning to their life. We, we want that. Everybody wants that. We can have that uh, as Christians uh, in Christ. That's why I've titled this series. We're doing a, a series up to the summer called "How Do I Know God." So one way you could look at this is, like, how do we, how do we know God? Like, how do we know this, uh, this being, uh, this person? And how, do, how do we know God? But you could also flip it, uh, that phrase, us English majors, how do I know, comma, God? Like, how do I know God? How do I know, God, that you're going to turn all this bad stuff into good? How do I know, God, that you will uh, use this death to shape my life? Uh, how do I know, God, uh, that you're with me 
while I'm in the midst of depression? Uh, how do I know, God, that you're going to work things out? How do I know, God, that, that this suffering uh, is going to, you know, I'm going I'm to see something good come out of it? How do I know God? And it's a great question whether you look at it as how do I know God or how do I know God? So today, uh, the, the title, really, the, the other question for today in the series is, Does Prayer Matter? And, and I would say, of course it does. And us good Sunday school answering Christians would say, of course it does. But do we leverage it? Do we use it? Do we live it? It's another question. Does prayer matter? Yes. I say yes. You would say yes. Many of you would say yes. Maybe not all. Paul says yes in this passage. So I'm going to read verse 15 through 23. And this is actually written as a prayer. So this is a prayer in writing. And then we're going to break it down. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Uh, A couple things for breaking that down uh, about me in prayer. So these are my struggles in prayer, and they could be similar to y'all's too. First off is uh, I struggle with what I call perfunctory prayers. Big word there. What I mean is like rote prayers. Uh, I would ask y'all to pray for me that I pray uh, better uh, prayers for supper. You know, like the prayer for supper. Uh, my wife convicts me of this. I mean, I've been used to all my life. And by the way, you may, you may be saying, hey, man, that's great that you just sit around the table and pray. Yes, you should do that. Encourage that. But so I get there, you know, like leader of the family, spiritual leader. And I'm like, you know, thank you, God, for our food today. And thank you for watching over us. And Give us a good night, and thank you for, you know, mommy who prepared it, because mommy prepared it. Anyway, and thank you for, you know, all this. Thank you, thank you. And so, you know, as spiritual leader of the family, I, I mean, I need to cultivate a, really a deeper, more powerful prayers in that time. So something, you know, I struggle with. I also struggle with, like, the perfunctory prayers in, in group settings. And what I mean is often, me too, you know, we'll say, hey, let's, let's pray together. It could be at the start of a meeting or a church gathering, prayer request. And it's always, me too here, okay? It's always, you know, well, so-and-so, cancer, pray for them, yes. Uh, so-and-so lost loved one, yes, pray for them, so-and-so. You know, and all, a lot of physical needs. You know, I rarely hear somebody say, you know, hey, could y'all pray for me? I'm kind of battling depression right now. Um, hey, pray for me, uh, struggling with, you know, addiction right now. 
Um, hey, pray for my marriage. You know, we're going through, you know, very rocky. And I do, I do wish, and I want this for Bellwether and Christians overall, that there's a more openness in believing the power of prayer and an openness within the church family of, of stating, you know, not just the, you know, that there's the we all see the explicit needs, but getting underneath those, say, hey, I need, I need y'all pray for me, you know, in, in this. The other thing I struggle with in prayer, honestly, is sometimes just praying. Uh, I'm a reader. I love to read. Uh, and I love to read God's Word. So we talk about rise with God time. You know, I have um, very disciplined about this. I'll get up and, and I'll read my, my Bible reading plan. And I will love it. And then the Lord will convict me. So, you know, need you to pray now. And I'm like, I just, I just kind of want to keep reading, honestly. I just kind of want to read your Word. Which is good, but, but often I like won't then spend some time in prayer. And I'll have to dis- discipline myself to do that. But know this, every time I do, every time I take that time and go into prayer, I'm always refreshed. I mean, always. 100%. You know, it's, it's like I open my eyes and I'm like, man, you know, just feeling the power of the Lord, hearing His voice. So those are my struggles. Those could be your struggles. Paul talks here about prayer. In this prayer, he is uh, saying who we should pray for and what we should pray for. And first off, in verse 15, he is praying for believers. Like he's writing to this church in Ephesus, but this is a prayer to all Christians. Christians then, Christians now as well. So within this writing of the prayer, the Holy Spirit was putting it into his mind. It was coming out in his pen going to the big C church, church everywhere. And he says this, he says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love toward all the saints. First thing I need to say, you know, this may be the most important thing you hear, you're saved by faith alone. Saved by faith alone. That can happen today. can happen any day. We talk about salvation, we talk about being a, a Christian, means being a believer. You're saved by faith. However, just like in this verse, You're saved by faith alone, yet faith never remains alone. So he says, faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints. Now I say this again, saints doesn't mean that person in a stained glass window. I mean, not Jesus up there, but like a Peter, a Paul, a John, you know, saints, so and so. Saints in the Bible, it's Christians. So if you're a Christian, you're a saint. So Paul is saying here, your faith, your believing faith, does not remain alone, your love for one another. So he's praying for the church, a church that is saved by faith, but does not remain alone, that they love one another. It's what we want here. It's what I pray for every church, that you're not saved by anything you do, or you're not saved by looking good, even though some of y'all look great. You know, you're, you're saved by your faith, yet that faith never remains alone. You love and care for one another in the local church and in the big C church, global church, and pray for one another. Verse 16, he goes on, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So he's saying, man, I'm thankful for you. And, and this, is, this one little verse convicts me. You know, often in our prayers, when we open with prayer requests, we don't say, hey, this is not a request, but this is something I'm thankful for. Uh, I did say this because uh, I was thinking about this verse. We prayed as a worship team. I'm not on worship team. We prayed and took communion. And I said, hey, I, 
prayer of thanks that driving through a flash flood last night, God kept his hand on me. I mean, I literally last night laid down. I was like, you know, you're watching over us, Lord. I mean, it was, we were going through a, a mess, a flood. And I'm very thankful for that. I was thankful for that this morning. So not only should our prayers be requests, they should be thanks. Now then, Paul begins to break down what we should pray for. Verse 17, the God of our Lord Jesus may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom, revelation. What do you pray for? Wisdom, revelation. What do you pray for? To know, wisdom, revelation, to see. What we sang about, open the eyes of my heart. What is wisdom? If you pray for God, make me wise. It's very simple. Proverbs tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, period. What is wisdom, you say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let me translate. Do you fear man or do you fear God? Period. That's wisdom. Say it again. Do you fear man or a woman? Do you fear people or do you fear God? Do you fear what people will say about you, not being accepted in this group? So you do things that will compromise your faith and your beliefs? Or do you fear God and know that you will stand before him and give an account of your life and what you did with your gifts and this time and this season? That's wisdom. So you pray, Lord, give me wisdom. I pray for that. Lord, let me fear you more than I fear people. I mean, I, really, I pray that every day. Because the big thing is, hey, we want to be approved. We want to be accepted. So we don't want to step out of place. And sometimes the Lord calls us to take bold stands. Fear God, fear man. Then revelation that we see. Again, as we sang about, that the Lord would help us see differently. I always have said it like this. You know, it's like putting on a new set of glasses. It's seeing the world in a different way, seeing your life in a different way. Uh, one thing that uh, a lot of, I don't know if you call them doctors or I don't know what these people are called. But anyway, I've, I read a lot about children with autism and a lot of things that the people, the, forgive me, doctors, doctors or, or helpers will do to help children with autism. And one thing they do is they try to either fog or like kind of cover or even frost. Oh, I think frost would be painful. Anyway, that glasses, because the kids are like looking down a lot and just looking and they wear glasses. And they will, uh, so they'll cover partially their glasses somehow and put them on. So they have to look a different way. They have to look up. And they begin training to see the world in a different way uh, in doing this. True story, you can do, look it up. You know, this is one thing that they do. And they felt that they've had good results. And it's the same with, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Like we're seeing, in one way, sometimes we may just be looking at ourself in life. And we pray that, Lord, help us see the world around us. Help us see differently. So Paul's prayer, give wisdom, give revelation. Then he draws that out, saying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Enlightened. I'm going to key in on that word. Uh, that word in its original Greek, it means two things. It means something different than we think of enlightened. You know, we think about enlightened as in like, oh, wow, you know, revelation and knowledge together. That word means light coming in and also light going out. So in the Bible, in Christianese even here, do you live an enlightened life? 
That you let the light come in, or do you block the light? Often we will block it. And it's not just the problems we face. We're like, you know, use myself as an example. Like, Lord, I don't want to pray today. I'd just rather read and just sit back and, and read your word. Well, the Lord can speak to you through that, but do we block the light? Or do we let the light in and let the light shine forth? That the eyes of your heart are enlightened. Then he goes on, pray for more, that you may know. What do we need to know? To know. This is verse 18, to know. What do we need to know? Knowing here is different than knowing as we think about it. We think of knowing as information, and Paul is writing here, I want you to have inspiration, not information. A little background on this church in Ephesus. Paul was here for two and a half years teaching them information, and now he's saying, you know that, but you don't know this. You don't know the inspiration of your faith. You know the teachings of Jesus. You know the life of Jesus that I poured into you as he passed through this church. He started this church. He planted this church. You don't know the inspiration. And this is an inspiration deal that he is going into. It's a, a deeper knowing. You know, in the Old Testament, it says Adam knew his wife and she conceived. You know, so knowing was like a, a deeper, more intimate knowing and in every way, this is, Paul's talking about this deeper sense of knowing God, communing with God, knowing his purpose for your life, knowing that you have a great destiny, knowing that what others think about you does not define you, knowing that he has a plan for your life, knowing that this life is an adventure. Be inspired. Don't just have knowledge, Paul is saying. And he breaks it down. The hope. That you know you have hope. And you always have hope. One of the blessings of grace is it's, you know, up until, you know, that point of departing this world, there's, there's hope. It's never too late in this life. There's hope. What are the riches of his inheritance? That's an interesting, the riches of his inheritance. Why don't you stay with me on this? This is like, if, if you know nothing else, you need to get this. Think about this. His inheritance. Not our inheritance. His. Why does God need an inheritance? Think about that. Why does God, God's got everything. Why does God need an inheritance? God has everything. What then is his inheritance? Here's what you need to know in an inspirational way. Jesus was disinherited on the cross. Jesus lost it all on the cross. Jesus was disinherited. The Father turned his back so that we could be God's inheritance. What is the Lord's inheritance? It's you. It's me. It's us. It's his love for you. Jesus was disinherited. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, disinherited on the cross so that we could be God's inheritance. A lot of us, me included, we didn't grow up knowing this, like knowing in an inspirational way, knowing the Father's love for us like that. A lot of you don't know it today, know it in an inspirational way. You are his inheritance. He loves you that much. You need to hear that over and over and over again. His inheritance. And then his power. Power. We like power. The Ephesians like power. Another little background on the church. The church of Ephesus, it was like, 
Maybe not New York, but similar. I mean, there was Rome in that day, and then there was Ephesus. So like big, powerful city with power-hungry people just like the world we live in. I like power in my flesh. You like power. Our youth like power. Like, what do you mean youth like power? Well, they like to hang with the cool folks and be with the people who have position and status. It doesn't change much when you grow up. And Paul is saying, may you know in inspiration the power, the power that is ours who believe, that he worked in Christ when he raised him. Easter is two weeks ago. Raise is in our mission statement, raising leaders who raise families, who raise the kingdom. That is not an accident. Raise. Christianity is about resurrection. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, there is no Christianity. It's about the future. It's about resurrection today, not just the body. It is about the body being raised to life. But it's about that we are dead in sin, and when you have faith in Jesus, He gives new life. They can start any day. Raised in the power of Christ and seated. That's interesting too, seated. Why, you ever wonder why, they say this all throughout the Bible, why, why is Jesus seat? Why does he sit down? Seat at the right hand of God. For us biblical scholars, or I'm not a scholar, but you biblical scholars out there. Seated at the right, what does that mean, seated? The question, what do you do when you get finished mowing the yard? What do you do? Some of you are like, well, I grab a cold so-and-so. Well, I mean, what do you do after you do that? What do you do after you do that? Uh, well, I, I take a shower. Okay, probably good. What do you do after you do that? I, I sit down. Like, I, I sit down. After work is finished, I take a seat. You catch that? The reason he, Jesus is seated, his work is done. His work is the, the salvation work for your life. It's done. Jesus is taking a seat. He's, I don't know if he's, you know, getting a cold one. But he's taking a seat. Just joking here. You know, let's loosen up. He's taking a seat, though, okay? Taking a seat. Because the work is done. And he says he's seated above all rule, authority, power, and dominion above every name. Good reminder, some of us had. We were at a conference this, uh, this week in Orlando. And one of the sessions there was how to survive a cultural crisis. Some of y'all have been fascinated by this. Because it was talking about the world we live in today, which is getting, just, you know, news flash, is getting harder for Christians to live in and be authentic Christians. Now, now look, Bible Belt, last bastion, and we're in the buckle, so last bastion. But the world as it is, I mean, you see the explicit persecution on, the, uh, on ISIS on that front, and you see uh, very, maybe implicit, Social persecution in our country. Uh, my wife and I were just talking about um, somebody. It was a famous uh, board, famous group, won't say who. But because they had a member who was an evangelical Christian, so believed, you know, saved by faith, believed in some social stances, they removed this person from the board over the last two weeks. Because they were a Christian in America, okay? Powerful like group. That's going to be par for the course with some of the, the social things that Christians take stances on, uh, we're, we're in a more persecuted age. I mean, that, that was one of the big themes of this conference, actually. Like, get used to it, guys. Get used to it. However, this verse, that our Lord is above every name, every power, 
every institution, and that we can, and some of you may not have realized you're coming to hear this today, but we can rest in the victory of Jesus Christ for our day, for all of history. The deal, D-Day has happened. It's cleanup time. And so, look, me too, I look at the news, I look at the world, I worry. You probably worry. It's cleanup time. God's at work. Jesus is seated. His work is done. So whatever the Lord has, you know, and I don't know what He has in store, we can rest in His victory, and we can even communicate that in a humble, yet confident, loving, joyful way. We can do that. It's what I want to do. It's what we want to do. We rest in the Lord's victory. And Paul closes. He started with the church. He ends with the church. That is his body. That's Jesus' body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. We're the body of Christ right now. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we are called to go. And, you know, whatever age it is that we live in, whether it's extreme persecution or subtle you know, our Lord was persecuted, but we're to go. And we are to communicate truth in confidence, yet in humility, in love and in joy. That it's, it's good news. It's good news. Salvation through grace, any time, any moment. That in that, God has a purpose for your life. That you can communicate and connect with the Almighty. That your life can be an adventure for Him. A lot of us, I mean, don't see our faith or going to church in that way at all. And that's the Christian faith. That's it. And I want you to know that. So just in closing, a couple things. It's about prayer. Like, how do you pray? Just a practical thing. It's very simple. You should write this down. If you write nothing else down, make a pact with God. P-A-C-T. How do you pray? Here's, some, here's four steps in prayer. Pact. P-A-C-T. There should be petition. So you do ask, hey, God, help me with this job. Hey, God, help me with this relationship. Hey, God, help me with my marriage. Hey, God, help me quit doing this. Adoration. You need to love God in your prayers. Like, God, you are. And this is where Bible reading really helps, particularly the Psalms. God, I love you. I adore you. And he's petition, adoration. Confession. Confession doesn't need to just happen on Sunday. It should be daily. Lord, I did this. Forgive me. Confess your sins. Thanksgiving. God, I am thankful that I have a church home. God, I am thankful for this beautiful day. God, I am thankful that I can walk. God, I am thankful I can think. God, I'm thankful that I believe. Petition, adoration, confession, thanksgiving. Simple, make a pact with God. And then last, I mean, just, I encourage all of us, myself included, believe in the power of prayer, the power of prayer for your life, for our life, for the world. Look, you can look at the world and there is conflict. You can look at our neighborhoods. There is, there is conflict. Do we uh, utilize and leverage the most powerful thing we have at our, in our hands? It's prayer. Prayer. Not our Rolodex. I know that's so 1990s, but or our you know, contact list on our iPhone. A lot of us will lean more to that than lean into prayer. Pray. Pray for your life. Pray for your family. Pray for this church. Pray for me. Pray for persecuted Christians. Pray. We're going to close by doing that right now. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that teaches us to pray, that shows us prayer. I pray you would grow prayer in me. I humbly confess I, I need it. I don't do it enough. I pray that you would grow prayer in this church. I'm thankful there are people praying right now for this service. I'm thankful that you grow our prayer ministry. So I pray for this church. I pray for the people in it. I pray for the people who struggle and struggle greatly in fearing man here. I pray you would kill that in us. Kill it and help us then put it to death daily. That we'd fear you. I do pray for those who are struggling as they either battle physical illness or have been impacted recently by the physical reality of death. That they would still believe that you could do miracles, that we believe that, and you would comfort and strengthen them in this time. I pray for our city. There are so many problems in this city. There just are. Uh, Whether they come from class or race or social or whatever, there just are. And I pray that you would, you're here, but people would see you. People would call on you to bring healing to the city and that Christians and churches would be light, would be outposts of your light, heavenly light, a light not of this earth, to speak and to live in truth. I pray for our world in this time. I specifically pray today, persecuted Christians, Christians who, who uh, live out their faith, speak out their faith, in ways that we cannot fathom because they are in that immediate time facing death. We pray for them. Help us to pray more for them, to believe the power of your spirit not only works here, but works globally, and that we are connected. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for them. I pray for us, and I pray in thanks that you have won. D-Day has happened. It is cleanup time, and that you are seated. And all we have to do is believe. So I pray right now that people would believe, perhaps for the first time, perhaps again, perhaps their faith be renewed this morning. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.